You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Jillian. And I'm Sierra. And we're from the podcast Women Did That, here to introduce Queen's podcast today. We're from Utah, so we know every non-swear in the freaking book. But Katie and Nathan know all the real swears in that gosh darn book. There's going to be a heck of a lot of swear words in this show, so if that is not up your alley, this show is probably not the freaking one for you. And you can find us anywhere you find podcasts at Women Did That. Thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Hey, Nathan. Katie, Katie, Katie. How are you doing, my darling? You look... I'm like, not gonna, I'm like not gonna a lie. bag of shite? No, I wasn't. <laughs> you still look adorable. You just look a wee bit tired. Are you okay? Yeah. Um, partied a little too hard this weekend as I combed my mane. <laughs> you look well. Well, hey, party while you're young, right? Sleep when you're dead, right? <laughs> party when you're young. I don't know if I'm still young. <laughs> Well, besides that, are you excited about the episode today? Yeah. I am too. So, Nathan, tell us who we're discussing today. So, the one, the only, Catherine Swinford. 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 Longtime mistress of a very powerful English duke. Um, her descendants are the family that would eventually go on to form the Tudor Dynasty. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe maybe that sounds familiar. Nathan, tell us about this cocktail. So this cocktail probably might be one of my favorites. I love it. Uh-huh. So I took some um, blueberries, raspberries, and pomegranate and mushed it. Mushed? <laughs> mushed. Mushed it up, put some tequila in it. Four shots of tequila, by the way. Oh, is that why you're feeling so rough today? You had a little bit of the cocktail last night. (laughs) Um, And then you shake that up, and then you put a little lime juice in it. It's like a blueberry margarita. And I remember I put, like, jalapeno in it, Mm -hmm. not the bird. Yeah. So there's my roommate's bird is named Jalapeno. <laughs> you did, did not put the feathers in the cocktail. No. Okay, okay. No, I put an actual jalapeno into the tequila and let it soak. So it had this spicy, lovely, sweet, uh, gorgeous moment. Yes. No, <laughs> it is delicious. I so it is while we're recording this, it is still January, so I am still doing dry January. Boo. <laughs> I know. But my liver is like, thank God. Um, so I bought this brand off of Amazon called Ritual Zero Proof Tequila Alternative. So like I took a shot of it before putting it in the cocktail and I didn't like it. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I don't ever drink tequila just for the taste. <laughs> but once I put it in this concoction that you came up with, 
I adore it. I didn't do the jalapeno. You don't like spicy. Because I don't like spicy. Yeah. But this um, tequila alternative has a bit of a spice to it. A kick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And you had a taste of ours before we got – before. Blah, blah, blah. You had a taste of mine before we got started. Could you kind of taste that kick yeah. in it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like it. And it's a lot better than the potato water from the oh, potato water <laughs> from the Betty White episode. So um, they are not paying me to say this, but if you were looking for a mocktail, um, you know, alcohol alternative, I really like this I don't, I don't, zero proof. I don't understand alcohol alternatives. <laughs> Like, that is the it's, reason. So it, make, it makes me feel like I'm involved and, you know, not just drinking juice. So I was a basic bitch, but no, this cocktail is delicious and I can't wait to try it um, full forced with alcohol. But be warned. It, be warned. Maybe I won't do four shots of tequila. It's in four it, shots of tequila, guys. Like, it's four ounces of tequila. Oh. So. I don't know how to segue into Catherine Swinford, so let's just get I into it. I bet she liked a lot of tequila. She might have. And I, you know what? Her mom probably drank a lot of tequila because when she was born. <laughs> great segue. Great. Great, Nathan. <laughs> probably unsurprisingly, we don't really know. Uh, surprise, surprise. We don't know when she was born. We have no idea when she was born because <laughs> she's a woman and why would anybody want to write down? But also she's not from the nobility. So I bet if she had been a boy, they also wouldn't know her exact date either. Um, but we think probably 1350. Okay. That's a very rounded number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An educated guess on her date of birth is going to be November 25th because that's the feast day for St. Catherine. Uh, and a lot of times, like if your baby was born on a feast day of a saint, you just you just made it that day. You just be like, and this is the kid's name now. So, <laughs> so, so educated guess. Not hundred percent sure on like where she was born, Mm-mm. but probably either London or her father's homeland of Hainaut. Yeah, I went onto Twitter to be like, somebody tell me how to say this because I. Didn't want us to completely butcher it. And not a single person told me the same pronunciation. So, Heinel, Heinel. Heinel. Oh, God damn it, Nathan. It's in modern day Belgium. That's where her family is probably from. (laughs) So, just not a whole lot is known about her family. But here's what we do know. So, her dad was a knight in Heinel who traveled to England. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to serve the new queen of England, Philippa of Hainel. <laughs> God damn it, Nathan. But no, her dad must have really impressed the royal family because, like, once he starts living in England and working in England, they make him a knight. They start giving him jobs. They start giving him money. Um, so he bas- he started from the bottom. Now he's here. And, okay. I mean, the here is still, like, middle management. But still. <laughs> For the, Started from the bottom, now I'm middle management. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's still – he must have made a really good impression yes. is what we're getting at. Yes, and yeah. and because history is a bag of dicks, uh, we really don't have any idea of who her mother was. Zero. Because boobs. There's, like, not even any <laughs> guesses. I feel like with other – like, who's someone else? Like, Cleopatra. We had no idea who her mother was, but at least there were some guesses. Like her parents that were brother and yeah, sister. Yeah, like probably her aunt. But yeah, <laughs> with Catherine, they're just like, <laughs> What was that again? <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we do know for sure that she had at least one full sister named Philippa. 
and maybe two other siblings that might have been like half brother and sister. Yeah, but Philip is the only one that makes an appearance in this story. So, my other siblings, bye. bye. We'll talk to you never. <laughs> okay, so what about her upbringing? She lucked out, and she, even though like she's from like really not like illustrious line or whatever, she was probably raised with the children of the royal court of Edward the Third and his queen. So. Mm-hmm. So, Queen Filippo of Hainal um, loved children and was known to go out of her way to care for the children at court. So, it's very possible that Catherine and her sister Philippa were raised at court with all of the kids of dukes and earls and lords and, um, oh my, lions and, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> dukes and earls and lords. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that, like, she probably had jobs, like what we would think modern day of, like. Unlike babies. Babies don't need jobs, but she probably had chores that the sons and daughters of the nobility didn't have. Yes. But she still, like, slept under the same roof, which for medieval times, awesome. Great. Good work if you can get it. Okay, you got to, you know, fold some sheets or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, like, right. But still they living lived in a palace. Yeah, they lived in a palace, got basic education, and got to know some important people. You know, could have been worse for the 1300s. Could have been a lot worse, yeah. yeah. You know, ye old disease. Ye old sleeping in the sh- streets, you know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Please. Yes. <laughs> in 1359, when Catherine is maybe like 9 or 10, the king and queen's son gets married. And it is a really big deal. BFD. BFD. That does not stand for big fucking dick. No, it's big <laughs> fucking deal. <laughs> I guess it could stand for big fucking dick, but in this story, (laughs) no comment. (laughs) So the son is getting married is called John of Gaunt, and he's the son of Trois, the third son. Um, (laughs) John of Gaunt, Trois. (laughs) So if you remember the Eleanor of Aquitaine, how could you forget her? Yeah. Um, If you remember that episode, you'll you'll remember that if you – have a lot of sons, you know, that might start running out of things for them sons to inherit. <laughs> inherit? Oh, okay. <laughs> What Nathan is trying to say <laughs> is that, yeah, they were like, hey, we want to make sure that all of our sons have an inheritance and they don't start, like, fighting over land and fighting over rights and shit so they would made sure that all of their sons married into wealthy families hello so they arranged for their son john of gaunt to marry one of the richest heiresses in the country an orphan heiress on top of that so she did little orphan heiress. A little orphan heiress <laughs> and she didn't have any brothers so she had nobody to fight over the lands and titles and whatnot. Okay. So John would marry her and immediately become a duke of her lands and everything. So chef kiss, put a pretty little bow on it. It's perfect. This heiress is Blanche of Lancaster. So once married, they would be the Duke and Duchess of Lancaster. And unless you're brand new to the Queen's podcast and English history, this might ring a couple bells. Ring my bell. Ring Ring my my bell. bell. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what does Catherine have to do with all this? Like, why are we talking about this? 
Yeah, so the new Duke and Duchess are going to be, like, setting up their own home, needing a staff. That's staff for you that are uneducated. Um, (laughs) They need people to run shit and, you know, get it right, get it right, get it tight in the royal family. They need people that know how to run a royal household. Yes. And they're setting up a new household. And Catherine, at the ripe old age or nine or ten, has been running around working in a royal household her entire life. So they're like, all right, you're just going to move over to this house, that the the new Duke and Duchess of Lancaster's house. So she's basically working, working for Blanche Devereaux of <laughs> Lancaster. Blanche Devereaux of Lancaster. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This was great for Catherine. Like, this mm-hmm. is a good move for her because luckily Blanche Devereaux of Lancaster was known <laughs> to be very, very sweet, pious, and charitable. So good move. Yeah, she would have been like a really nice boss. And Blanche Devereaux of Lancaster and <laughs> Catherine would have been similar age, too. Like, um, I mean, Blanche isn't going to be like 9 or 10 like she is, but she's like 14 or something like that. You know, they're mm-hmm. not a huge difference in age. Let's pause real quick to discuss the political climate of the time. Politics? Yes. <laughs> because up to this point, it's all seemed very idyllic and cute and fun but this is the mid 14th century and we're in england so nathan what is going on the hundred years war which was an on again off again war with france that actually went on for 114 years it just doesn't have the same ring the 114 years war yeah yeah i'm glad i'm glad somebody made that executive decision to rebrand it yeah rebrand it and take off 14 years yeah Yeah, messed up i get it i get it uh, the current king of England, Edward III, who is the son of, remember when we covered Isabella of France? The wolf. The she-wolf. The this she-wolf. is her son. So he's king now, and he very much believes that actually he should be king of oh, France. God. It's wartime. The fighting didn't really actually take place in England all that much, but wartime still means loss of life, high taxes. Whoa. Good God, y'all. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. So put a pin in that. (laughs) It might be important later. So anyway, back to Kat. Um, She is living her hashtag blessed life in the house of the Lancasters um, for quite a few years. They had a few children. So Catherine is working, taking care of these royal babies. Uh, That was my... French accent. What it, you are just you are just all over the place Bougie. with these pronunciations Nathan, Nathan today. All over the place. What? Uh. <laughs> okay, Nathan. So since you're feeling so um, all over the place today, why don't you tell me about what do we know about Catherine Swimford's personality? So she wasn't the type of girl that was like dear diary, right? So no diary. She wrote a lot of letters because, I mean, I would be bored, too, if I didn't have Netflix. Yes. Um. <laughs> but do they survive? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what remains seems to suggest that she was also kind of pious, which yeah. makes sense because she was raised by that type of people. Yeah. Uh, it also seemed like she was likable, had friends, very social, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, and apparently she was a total smoke show. Oh, ow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hello, nurse. Fast forward another six years or so, and it's 1365. 
She marries this knight in the service of John of Gaunt named Hugh Swinford. This was a really common practice in royal houses that I think is kind of smart, that they would get the people, that their employees, basically, to marry each other. Like, oh, you're a single knight. Oh, the nanny is single. Y'all marry each that other. suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least you know that way you're marrying somebody that has a job. Has an income. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, um, and it also creates them, they're going to be more loyal to uh-huh. the Lancasters now. Their children are going to be loyal to the Lancasters. Um, it was actually just really, really common practice. And the same thing happened with Catherine's sister, Philippa. She married this page that was in the service of Gaunt, John of Gaunt by the name of, um, how do you, how do you pronounce this one, Nathan? Geoffrey Chaser. Yes, very close. <laughs> Jeffrey Chaucer. Um, yeah, that Jeffrey Chaucer, Catherine Swinford, and Chaucer are in-laws. I mean, small world. Small, small world. <laughs> so. Can we take a quick second to bitch about, I'm yeah. sure Jeffrey Chaucer's work is important. Why the fuck did they make that made us read that shit when we were 14 and 15 in I high school? No, I mean it's like medieval satire and I'm barely grasping satire. Right. Much less medieval. Right. Like I'm supposed to get the well, the Canterbury Tales, I think is what we're Just because I love reading and I love literature so much and I just could imagine being an English teacher and being like wanting to get my students excited about literature and the school board being like, nope, you got to make them read Jeffrey Chaucer. And just being like, I'm just trying to hype up the wife of Bath. <laughs> like, come on, kids, get excited. Like, oh, no, God. No, mom. I no. Can't. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> our girls marry now. Let's. Let's meet the lucky man. Lucky bachelor Hugh Swinford, no longer bachelor. Hugh. Hugh. Your Hugh is a little <laughs> off. Um, so, But he owned land, honey. Which was a big deal. Yeah, again, BFG, not big fucking dick. Big um. <laughs> fucking damn land. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking deed. Big fucking domicile. Oh. <laughs> he owned not just one property, he owned two properties. Sounds like he needs a pool boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's going to be the lady of her own house. So she probably thought this was pretty good. Plus also her dad was a knight. So she probably didn't ever think in her wildest dreams that she was going to marry anyone higher than a knight. Anyway. Yeah. So the thing is, we have no idea if the marriage was happy or sad day. <laughs> That's happier. You are sad. killing me with these <laughs> random weird pronunciations, Nathan. I'm sorry. Pronunciations. <laughs> we don't know if there's a loving marriage or not. Right. Basically, at the right. end of the day. That's... Translation from Nathan Gay France language. (laughs) I am fluent in Gay French. (laughs) (laughs) And since neither of the families are from the, like, nobility, she wouldn't have been forced into this marriage. Yeah. She would have chosen it. Because we don't hear a lot. We don't talk a lot about women who were from, like, the lower classes getting married. Yeah. If a a woman didn't want to marry a knight and there wasn't any kind of, like, dynastic pressure on it. Like, if she wouldn't have wanted to marry Hugh Swinford, she wouldn't have had to. No. There was no pressure. Mm -mm. So 
I seriously doubt she... She must have at least liked him fine, you know? Liked him fine. Liked him fine, yeah. This is fine. This is fine. So we think that she may have been disappointed when she left court and went to Hubby's lands in Lincolnshire. Uh, Right. One, she had lived at court her whole life, and this was like BFE. Yeah. Like bum-fucking anywhere, everywhere, what? Um, Yeah, it wasn't court. She's like, ew. She'd spent her whole life at court, and now she's at... Like, just like these regular houses. Yeah, so that's number one. Number two, turns out the lands that Hugh owned were shady. They weren't nice. One of them was, like, all gravel and couldn't grow anything. And the other one flooded all the fucking time. Oh. And so it was just sort of like it, they weren't making a whole lot of money off their lands. Yes. They couldn't grow crops and shit. Yeah. So number three, she may have been a wee bit lonely. Yeah. A wee bit lonely. Um, she had always had friends at court and her sister nearby. And now it's just my husband, this shitty ass home that floods all the time. I sound miserable. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't. Yeah, we don't know, but it's it appears that she didn't love it because she rushed back to court pretty much as fast as she could. But soon enough, she had other things to keep her busy. Because it's time to have some babies. For Catherine Swinford, I think she really wanted babies. So yeah. So their first child they named was Blanche Devereaux. No, not really. Blanche Devereaux, the sequel. <laughs> Blanche seems to have been a really healthy baby, so congrats. And their boss, John of Gaunt, stood as godfather at baby Blanche's christening. So getting a duke to be your kid's godfather, pretty sweet. It yeah. makes you look pretty good in right, society right that's gonna open doors for that child that yes. it maybe wouldn't have bef- if her godfather was just some dude off the street yeah you know? and this shows that the lancasters really wanted to show that they are going to take care of the people that they employ you know yeah. that are loyal to them absolutely so over the next couple of years she's having babies but she's always she's also going back and forth between london and lincolnshire where her husband's lands are because she gets appointed governess of the Duke and Duchess's two eldest daughters, Philippa and Elizabeth. Now she gets to let her kids experience the same thing that she experienced growing up, which is being raised in a royal house with the royal children. And also being governess of the Duke and Duchess's kids was, she's young. That's the highest she could have expected to ever get in her job. Like, yeah. that's a really, they must have really, really trusted her. Yeah. Is what I'm getting at. So she has two more kids with Hugh Swinford. Um, the dates aren't clear because, you know, they seem to be a boy named Thomas and another daughter named Maggie, Margaret. Yeah. Um, honestly, don't know that we talked about her all her Swinford kids all that much. Cause... I don't. Yeah, they're not really going to come up again. But no. just know they're there. Yeah. And they're being taken care of. And they don't have jobs. And they don't have jobs. So <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. We're just not really going to talk about them again. <laughs> right. So in 1368, though, sadly, Blanche Devereux of Lancaster dies. It was devastation for everybody because, I mean, everybody loved Blanche Devereux so hard. I mean, Blanche of Lancaster, really. Yeah. Um, but sources... <laughs> you, you had to specify, really? Si, senor. <laughs> um, so sources vary. Um, she either died of the plague mm-hmm. or, you know, ye old childbirth. Yeah. Because um, traumatic. Uh... <laughs> Hashtag medieval world problems. <laughs> Right? (laughs) So we can't place Catherine exactly where she would have been at this point, but it's plausible to think that she would have been there, like, caring for the kids, 
comforting them while their mom was sick. But either way, we do believe that Catherine and Blanche had a super warm relationship. So she had to have been devastated. At had this point. to have been, yeah. Correct. Yes. Catherine kind of just takes over the Lancaster household. And I think this is the first time we really get a glimpse into her personality where she's just like, instead of mourning the loss of her friend, she kind of just goes into go mode. Like, okay, no, I am taking control of the situation. I'm taking over the house. I'm taking over, like, who gets appointed to do what job, who's running everything. And this isn't the only time that she does this whenever she suffers a loss. So I think it shows us that um, she had a bit of a take-charge personality, which we don't get a whole lot of glimpses into her personality. So I love that. John of Gaunt was distraught, but he also had to be, like, off at war. And he still had three surviving children from the marriage with Blanche. So someone had to take over shit, and she stepped up to the plate. Love that. Catherine just kind of takes over as mistress of the house and mother figure to John's three baby children. Yeah. Um, And then fast forward a couple years, and Catherine's husband, Hugh, off fighting in Aquitaine. Um, And Hugh Swinford dies in battle. Or other hashtag medieval people problems. We don't really know. He dies while he's off at battle, but who knows if he actually was wounded or got dysentery or... It's a really bad case of diarrhea. Or an earache. You know, people died from everything back then, you know? Yep. So how did Catherine feel or react to the death of her husband? That's an emoji. Yeah. I put in the shruggy emoji in the notes. (laughs) Nothing to give us clues. However, she had her own money, honey. And that money, honey, from Hughes Lands up north could have probably afforded her to take a break from work. So that, along with the money she had making as a governess, means that she was pretty well set off financially. She was pretty well set off financially. She didn't need to keep working, but... There doesn't seem to be any record that, like, she left the Lancaster household to go grieve. So that also makes me think maybe that was just her grieving mechanism. Like, do stuff. Let me take on more responsibilities. Let me keep myself busy. Or maybe she wasn't really that affected by his death. There, That's also a possibility, yeah. That one's a little bit more difficult that, to discuss. Yeah, that one's um, not as nice. But, but at some point, something thing happened ah! so her and john of gaunt hooked up bow, chicka, bow, wow. put the little bean in the okay wait <laughs> what her and, jo- her and john of gaunt are now together yeah so there's a lot of debate as to whether they were like hooking up while their spouses were alive which hot take i think so i don't i don't let's discuss that I don't think that they were hooking up while their spouses were still alive. Because I think John of Gaunt really loved Blanche Devereaux of Lancaster. I, I think so, too. But, I mean, you always got to have a side piece. I don't, you don't, all, you don't always have to. It's well, law. Katie, have you met me? I'm a slut. <laughs> that, okay. <laughs> Just because I love a juicy gossip story? Just because you want to be the nastier, the better? Yes. Okay. Okay. Nasty Nathan. All right. <laughs> I can get behind that. Katie says, no, they weren't hooking up while their spouses were still alive because John of Gaunt was loyal to Blanche Devereaux. And Nathan says they were just because juiciness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love a juicy gossip story. I just love anything juicy. (laughs) (laughs) But 
for sure, really soon after Hugh's death, she was 100% the mistress of one of the most powerful dukes in Europe. So let's take a quick break, and we'll unpack that a little more. Yeah, I've got a lot of luggage to unpack. Oh, girl. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Nathan, are you awake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you ready to get back into the story? Okay. So let's take a second to unpack this and speculate further on their relationship. When we last left, I've decided that I think that they didn't start hooking up until after both of their spouses are dead. Nathan likes the drama, so he thinks that they are already... Bumping butts. Pinker, pinker, pinker. That's what uh, you do in sex, right? You just bump butts? Yeah. That's how you have sex, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought That's so. Gay sex, yeah. Yeah, just, just hit your booties together, get naked <laughs> and bump butts. Anyway, either way, they've probably known each other, like, their whole lives by now, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe she always had a crush on him. It's totally possible. She, he was seven to nine years older than her. So it's completely possible that she would have grown up being, like, having his poster on the wall. The Duke is so dreamy. It's also possible he may have always thought of her as, like, a little sister type situation. True. So let's unpack this and Mm. get to know John of Gaunt real quick. Okay. Um, Third surviving son of the king. But by the time of his affair, he's fallen pretty low in the line of succession. Yeah. Um, He's probably never going to be the king of England. Right. But very powerful. Very smart. So... He's got a lot of checkboxes that you would click off. He's got a lot of big dick energy. Oh, I love that. He is incredibly ambitious. He thinks very highly of himself, um, which has gotten him very far in life. He's a big player in the military. He's a big player in politics. And his influence is only going to grow and grow. Oh, and also he's very, very rich and powerful. We love that. Ego like crazy. We don't always love it. But right now it's serving John of Gaunt well. So 
This ambition is obvious in his second marriage. But Wait, second marriage? He just got with Catherine. And Cascasse. Yeah, dukes don't really get to marry who they love, though. And Catherine didn't really bring money or power to this. So Yeah, so it's sort of like, why would he marry her? He's only... He's probably like 30, 31 now. So he's got... a. He still has plenty of time to make another uh, advantageous marriage. So the same year he started this affair with Catherine, he marries a Spanish princess. Y'all. He marries a woman named Constance of Castile. And then that BDE... (laughs) <laughs> decides to carry himself as the King of Castile. He calls himself the King of Castile for the next few years. Uh, spoiler alert, at no point is he ever the, the King, King of, of Castile. Castile. Um, it escalated quite quickly. Woo! Um, very long story short, he wasn't really the King of Castile, um, and he never would be. Uh, Constance's dad had been murdered and the throne taken over by her uncle. Because all of the royal stories that come out of Spain from this time are absolute fucking soap operas. And it's like a telenovela, bitch. It absolutely is. But John had his head, like, he had it in his Uh, But John had it in his head that he was going to take the crown of Castile and brought poor baby Constance over to England. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Oh, God. King of Castile. Don't tell the Castilians. I was like, we've already got a king. Thanks. Um, Thanks. We're good. (laughs) Did Catherine mind that her new love was married to someone else? We just really don't know, but it actually really didn't change their relationship. All that much. She was still the governess to his kids, got lots of gifts, and he saw her whenever he could. But one of the few things we know about Catherine is that she was really religious. So I wonder, like, did she wrestle with her conscience over sleeping with another another woman's husband? You as know? long as the dick is good. You know... <laughs> This is why you don't. This is this, <laughs> this is, is why you, Nathan is not a marriage counselor, nope, relationship counselor. No, nope, I'm like you cheated on your wife as long as the dick. The dick was good. I mean, you bump butts. You bump butts. <laughs> I think Constance of Castile might be a good Patreon episode because I would love to get in more. You know what she thought about all of this. That. Could be a possibility. Could be a possibility. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, but we already know that Catherine fertile as hell, Fertilmar. and there's no birth control at the time. Babies on, babies on, babies on, babies on, babies on, babies. Yes, that was the song. Babies founded on iTunes <laughs> in 1373. She and John welcomed their first child, a boy named John. God, why can't they? Figure out some so creative, right? But now we're in a dilemma because his other children with Blanche are Philip of Lancaster, Henry of Lancaster. A bastard baby boy can't be an of Lancaster, and it can't be a Swinford either. No, because why? Why would you name your child after a woman's last name? Well, it's it's her dead husband's last name. Uh. <laughs> so, what are we gonna call him? They land on the surname Beaufort. Uh, John had a castle in France called Beaufort Castle. And what I read was that since the castle and lands weren't, like, all that impressive, 
his legitimate children weren't going to be fighting over them anyway. Ouch. So he was just like, well, I'll just give him that last name and those can be his lands he can't inherit. And thus, that became the last name of uh, all of Catherine's children with John Beaufort. And, you know... You, you, War of the Roses nerds and you Tudor files uh, probably recognize that last name. Beaufort? Yes, those Bo- Beauforts. Be- Beaufort. 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 Bueller. 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 <laughs> Good connection, Nathan. Good job, buddy. Good I job. <laughs> I'm still alive. Um, so John's wife, Constance, would have definitely known about our girl, Catherine. Oh, 100%. They did not hide their relationship at all. Um, in fact, Constance was given her own household in Hilthood. Uh, well, <laughs> and where, Nathan? Hilthood. Um, Hertford? Or is that yes, what you said? Yes, yes. Again, again, my French accent. Your gay French? Just, Your gay French coming gay through? Gay French is coming through. Okay. Come through. Um, <laughs> um, they weren't very far from each other, like, close enough that he could go visit her. Yeah, he'd go spend the day with Constance and then ride home and dinner in bed with Catherine. Like, mm. John and Catherine lived openly as a couple in London. In fact, John was with Catherine when Constance gave birth to their daughter. Mm. Like, they. Awkward. Like, he found out Constance gave birth to a daughter that was healthy and Constance survived and everybody was healthy. And so, him and Catherine celebrated by going to the court of his father and, like, celebrating there with his mistress. Weird. It's a little weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So now. People had mistresses all the time, so not all that weird. So John and Kat thought, you know, it'd be D. No big deal. Absolutely no big deal. Everybody has a mistress. Not a big dick. Mm -mm. Um, (laughs) Well, that we just don't know. (laughs) We can live openly, you know. They can love each other, and it's not going to be a big deal. Um, And no one said anything to them directly. But it was, in fact, a bit of a big deal in society. Yeah, people thought it was tacky. You know what? It kind of is. And Catherine's... Don't judge me, Katie. I'm not judging you. <laughs> I'm judging John of Gaunt. Because he would have known that Catherine's reputation was going to take a hit for all of this. But he had such an ego that he's like, no one's going to say anything. It's fine. But people did say stuff. Yeah. And her family grew. And with every new bowhood that John acknowledged, the more, like, ick it yeah. got with other people. Yeah. Um, they had four children in total, three boys and a girl, and all survived childhood, which is That's awesome. super good. That was not, like, usually you'd have, like, eight kids and maybe five would make it to childhood. Super. Thanks for asking. She had four out of four make it out of childhood. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that he was having bastards, and it's not that he was, like, acknowledging his bastards at the same time. It was it's, that he was living so open. Yes. He was like... It was like the open marriage of... Yes, yes. <laughs> well, like, it was normal back then if if a duke had children out of wedlock with his mistress, it was the honorable thing to, like, acknowledge them, send the mistress money, but you didn't live with them like they were your primary family. Yeah, for sure. And he lived with them like they were his primary family, and it just made everybody go... 
your wife is like right down the road being completely ignored. Like, this is tacky, man. Right. And Catherine's reputation wasn't the only one taking a hit. Yeah. So John wasn't doing so great in the public eyes either. So in 1377, John's dad dies and John's older brother had died years before. So that means the new king is John's 10-year-old <laughs> nephew. 10-year-old nephew. Babies don't need jobs. When we say babies don't need jobs, we are specifically talking about Richard II of England. Yes, Babies queen. don't need jobs. Tell your mom. <laughs> so John is one of baby Richard's primary advisors. You know, there's this whole council. He's not the only advisor. But primary. Yeah. Um, there's a whole council to help run the country. But in reality, John of Gaunt is effectively running the whole thing. Remember how we were talking about his ego that just keeps getting bigger and bigger? Oh, Lord. I bet he was insufferable, like insufferable by the time that he's now basically running the country. Yeah, he's a little pushy. He's a little power hungry. So that's totally him. So lots of unpopular shit was going down at the time um, in John's Regency. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, still serfdom. Not which, fucking cool. Not a yeah, good look. We not are, cute. Yeah, we are not here for serfdom. So everyone was poor as hell and was being you know taxed to the gods taxed to the gods indeed they they instated something called the poll tax it was a really it wasn't like a sliding scale tax like usually you're taxed a certain amount of brackets your, your, yeah or like it, you're a certain percentage of your income instead it was like a one fee for each adult over 15 and it was like, okay, but if it's like – like let's say they, the government decided they were going to tax us all $2,000. For me and my husband both to have to pay $2,000, it wouldn't be the fucking end of the world, but it would suck. But then you go to the Kardashians or something, and they're still also just paying $2,000. Oh, hell it no. It wasn't based on income. And so that would be nothing for them. But then for the people on like food stamps or something – them paying $2,000 might result in them being evicted, you know? Yeah, homeless. So it was a really, really, really unfair system. And it made a lot of the people of England fucking hate John of Gaunt. Yeah, and then now there's this, like, growing distrust of the royal family and the rich, because, I mean, obviously they're like, what the fuck? I have to pay 2000 and you pay 2000 This doesn't. Bullshit yeah. does not compute. I don't think it was actually 2000 That was just I know, that's yeah. just... Uh, I, uh, yeah. Uh, bah. Bah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're like, we're going broke over here. And this fucking guy has two castles, one for his wife and one for his mistress? What the fucking hell? And you know what? I'd be pissed too. Yeah, I know, right? Valid fucking point. So uh, uh, John was a figurehead of what everybody hated at this point. Yeah. He didn't help himself either um, at all. No. Like, he was cocky and like showing off all this wealth and it's like, dude. Read the room. <laughs> Read, we are all literally eating dirt. Read the fucking room. Right. Maybe put your mistress up in a nice hotel somewhere, not like sh walking her around London acting like she's your wife. Like, it was a bad look. It wasn't cute. Yeah. So their relationship went on like this for a decade. Like, this was a long affair. So yeah. she cared for his kids along with his kids. Yeah, and she was still the governess of his kids, and his kids weren't really close to their stepmom, Constance. So she 
was basically the only mother figure they knew, you know? Yeah. And as far as her life goes, everything was, like, chill for a while. She was happy. Yeah. She was rich. Until... The Peasants Revolt. Uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> so for the sake of time, we're not going to go into the in, ins and outs, but TLDR, the Peasants Revolted in 1381. Um, this angry mob of peasants descended on London. Y'all, they just tore it to shit. They tore it to pieces. I don't blame them. The clergy were executed. Homes and businesses were ransacked. The rich and powerful of London were holed up in the Tower of London, which is not a great place to be. Um, they're fearing for their lives. <laughs> it wasn't, and rightly so, because the peasants caught one like really rich clergy dude and like straight up tore him to shit, like tore him to pieces, killed him. Like they were f- afraid for. Good reason. John's London home was this place called the Savoy Palace. And thank God they were not home. Like, thank God. John was in Scotland being a war dick. And Catherine was out of town with the kids. Praise Jesus. Hello, God. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, so, so the Savoy Palace destroyed. Hello, God. <laughs> it was... It was absolutely destroyed. Like, what couldn't be smashed was thrown in the river. What couldn't be smashed or thrown in the river was set on fire. All the Dracarist. It was. was, They Dracarist the fuck out of this palace. (laughs) Absolutely. They took hammers to the walls. They broke up the It's hammer time. (laughs) (laughs) Peasants revolt. It's hammer time. Absolutely. (laughs) But, like... Can you imagine if Catherine and her kids had been there? Yeah, literally, like, chills. Just thinking about what would happen to them. I'd tell you they'd be dead. Like, think about this through Catherine's eyes, being like, if I would have been there, I would have probably had to watch my mm-hmm. children be killed. You know? like she... Not a great thought to have if you no. have anxiety. <laughs> it was... Fucking scary. The only good thing to come of the Peasants' Revolt is that it was the beginning of the end of serfdom in England, though it wouldn't officially be abolished for like another 200 years. Yeah, and this revolt put the fear of, God, are you there? (laughs) Hello, God! (laughs) In all, like... It put the fear of God in all of the rich and powerful mm-hmm. people. And it effectively ended John and Catherine's relationship, too. Oh. So John went on a publicity tour of how God made him see the error in his ways. God has pointed me in the right direction. Hello, I am, God. Hello, God. It's <laughs> me, John. I am sorry. I've been a dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love it. And he'd be living, like, at this point, he'd be living a more pious life now, didn't have no greed, less powerful, you know. Big he part- wasn't going to be power hungry anymore. Yeah. He's just like, look, everybody, I've seen the error of my ways. Hello, God, it's me, John. Um, I'm going to be living pious. I'm going to go to church. I'm... But, like, the big, big thing is, and I am breaking up with my mistress. I am going to be faithful to my wife now. Liza Minnelli. He threw Catherine under the bus so fucking hard. Well, I mean, boobs. She has boobs. Exactly. So, it, but easy target. We don't really know what went on behind the scenes. Though we do know that before she left his household... 
right after the Peasants' Revolt in 1381, he gave her a huge monetary gift. Like, she I could mean, live off it comfortably for the rest of her life. I mean, I'll depart your household if you give me a monetary gift. Yes. <laughs> like, this was more than, like, a severance package for being the kid's nanny. This was yeah. money, money, honey, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I have to wonder how she felt about this the entire time. Like, yeah. maybe partially heartbroken. Who can blame her? Yeah. Devastated. The man that she loved turns her down and then it's And throws over. her under the bus in the public eye. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe she heard that there was an angry mob literally searching for her and her family to kidnap or murder her or who the fuck knows. Right? I don't think it's crazy to think that she hears that and she's like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to be your mistress anymore anyway if this could end up happening to me. Yes. Like if I don't want to be the figurehead, I don't want to be someone people are looking to search out and murder. Right? I don't think it's crazy to think that maybe she was like, mm. Okay. Okay, I'm not sticking around for this peasant revolt, the sequel. Like, me and all these little baby Beauforts, uh, we're gonna get the fuck out. GTFO. I don't know. That's just my theory is that, because I think a lot of people do like to look at it that like, oh, Catherine Swinford was thrown under the bus and brokenhearted. But I think if it had been me, I might be a little bit like, um, bye. I got these lands up in Lincolnshire that are, you know, from my first husband. Boy, I'm, bye. Boy, bye. It may be <laughs> bum fucking nowhere, but at least no one's trying to kill me. Get right. But also it wasn't actually the end of the relationship totally. Not so really. John still came and visited her and probably, you know, did the horizontal polka. Um, Wait, I don't think they did. <laughs> like they made maintained a relationship for the kids and because he would pop in and stay with them give them money and gifts and stuff like that but i think it was platonic yeah there was this rift that they couldn't ever really heal yeah you know having your children people a bunch of angry mob want to like murder and kill your children and get them. might do that it might it might hurt a relationship yeah. yeah right so Catherine kind of became like a public punching bag at this point yeah now that he's like pushed her away the public felt okay to like just talk about her yeah like open. like priests would compare her to eve like persuading adam to eat the apple and it's like uh, what? No, no. This man knew what he was doing. Misogyny. <laughs> misogyny. I think I like that song. I would purchase it. I stole it. it from somebody on TikTok. Oh, fucking TikTok. <laughs> God damn. But no, that's fucked up. Like, people were openly talking about her now as being just this horrible person. And she's not. She was just, you know. She was just a public punching bag because yeah. they needed somebody to blame everything on. So in 1387, King Richard II, baby king. Well, he's now 20, so formerly baby king. Formerly baby. The, the king formerly known as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he's in his 20s and came to visit her. And he was actually really fond of her and thought her like... She was family. Yeah, and, I mean, she she had been around his entire childhood. Of course he did. Right? Now. For all these years of service you've given our family, I want to make you the Lady of Galta. 
The Order of the Garter, to like completely oversimplify it, is like the highest rank of knighthood, but women were allowed to receive these honors too. Love this for her. Love this. I feel like she needed a win. And the fact that the king came and personally invited her to receive these honors. And it had nothing to do with John. It had nothing to do with John. It was 100% just based on her own merits, mm-hmm. which we love to see it. Um, so she got to come back to court. And on top of that, everyone had to be nice to her. I love it. They couldn't talk shit on her. They couldn't It's like her when you whore. get that job promotion and you're now everybody's manager and yes. they can't talk shit. And, they, and she's like, Lady of the Garner can't talk shit on me. Um, yeah, John wasn't even there. He was in Spain, still trying to be King of Castile. Still trying to be King of Castile, never becoming King of Castile. So... I love this for her. Like I said, I think she really needed a win. So Richard II of England does not go down in history as a sympathetic or a friendly character, but I love that he did this for her. So let's fast forward uh, a few years later and John comes back from Castile. Yeah, his wife is, he's, she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. They've never had they never had anything in common. They never were in love. They just didn't have, they never really had a real relationship. And she was just like, I'm done pretending, you know? Yeah, living those separate lives. Yeah. Um, so it didn't work out. But well, around the same time, his Beaufort kids are getting older and John wants to make sure that they're all taken care of and, you know, well connected. Yeah. You know, they need to grow up. Bougie. Yeah, they need to have those connections so that they can get good places in the military or the government or advantageous marriages. Yeah, so John is like, okay, y'all, come live up here with me and I'll get you all set up. Uh, But they were babies, um, (laughs) especially the two youngest. I think the oldest one at this point would have been around 15, which is about the time that they would have started getting jobs back then. Babies don't need jobs. Babies don't need jobs, but 15 wasn't officially a baby. But the youngest two, especially, Catherine had to come with them Uh because they they were super young. And so Catherine and her kids moved back up there and surprise, surprise, their relationship started boning started bumping butts once <laughs> again bumping butts but they that's were what, way more discreet about it this time that's probably a good thing but yeah. then in 1394 poor baby constance dies i i'm really interested to cover constance of castile on patreon because it just seems like her life was just one bad thing after the other tragic and then she just dies. Uh, so John throws her this big, lavish funeral. Thank God. At least one good thing. Yeah, right. But most people believe that John had already asked Catherine to marry him before Constance's funeral took place. And they did get married, but not until two years later, because there was so much paperwork involved. Fucking hate paperwork. The, I found this really interesting so remember how John had stood as godfather to her first child with Hugh Swinford? Uh-huh. So in the eyes of the church, they're basically like brother and sister now. I had never thought of that before. So they had to get a papal dispensation to marry even though they were in the eyes of the church closely related. 
So stupid. It it is pretty dumb. Also, but on that paperwork that they submitted to get the papal dispensation, they and if you're new to the show, the pap- a papal dispensation or a papal bull is just basically the Pope being like, I see that you are related, but I'm gonna let you get married. I'm gonna let you get married anyway. I was about to ask you I'm for that. Uh, I, I was about to say, like, where's the accent? Why, why was I le- why was I throwing away my shot with my pope accent? You might be cousins. You might be cousins. I'm at a popa. He's the godfather of your baby. That's okay. <laughs> I'm at a popa. <laughs> but in the paperwork that they had to submit for that, they did have to promise that the children were not consummated while she was married or he was married to his first wife. Obviously, they couldn't say that none of the children Liza were... Minnelli. <laughs> I, th- I don't think they would lie about that. What's the I point? Think so. Anyway. Drama. Drama. Because Nathan likes drama. Uh huh. Uh, me? Guess what say? Anyway, so they were finally married two years later in 1396, 24 years after their relationship started. Catherine was about 46, 47, and John was 56. That's refreshing. Only a decade instead of like 12 decades. Like, uh... 12 decades. That would be scary if yeah, it was 12 yeah, decade difference. Yeah, grandpa coming at you. <laughs> um, this, it's a scandal. Yeah. Like the most powerful dude making his mistress a duchess? Well, because, you know, those bougie people can be snobby, and they were like, but she's baseborn. And it's like, okay, but she grew up with all you guys. Right, but everyone within the royal family is like, fuck it. The rest of the country is just going to have to deal with this. Yeah, like the king, like the inner, inner, inner circle of the royal family was like, she's been family this whole time anyway. Yeah, in fact, since the king's wife had died, she was now like the highest ranking woman in the court and in the country. Can you imagine being the daughter of some foreigner knight that nobody knows and now being the highest ranking woman in the country? That's what happens when I wake up in the morning, Katie, didn't you know? Every morning you wake up and you're the highest highest ranking woman woman in the country. I mean, that happens. Like, it, Yeah. You know what? Good point, Nathan. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so their children were also legitimized, which was itch. Yeah. Um, that made the king uncomfortable. What, uh, it could. Um, yeah. So he was like, uh, okay, but um. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. This is what we're going to do. They're legitimized because that's going to help their marriage prospects. That's going to help them in so many different aspects in their life yes but he's like but they cannot ever have claim on the crown because he didn't need more cousins being like a threat to his crown because he didn't have an heir yet i'm already tired of my cousins i don't need more of them (laughs) no i'm kidding i love you guys (laughs) (laughs) um i mean in a in a in a second we'll see how those cousins um see what kind of relationship Richard has with his cousins. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, um, John of Gaunt is such an interesting character because he's a huge war dick, ego to the ceiling, power hungry, pretty horrible to his second wife. We have lots of reasons not to be endeared to him. But I kind of love how much he obviously loves his children. He's a narcissist. He 
he's a narcissist, but like he's he doesn't have to be so he doesn't have to be so good to these kids. Yeah, so that sets up like he's a dynamic character. Yeah, it's just has, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So now. Do you think priests were calling her evil in sermons anymore? You bet your ass they were not. Hello. So her first major job as Duchess was to escort the new Queen of England to London. Um, Do you remember in our Isabella Bavaria story when Izzy's like, you know, like her seven-year-old daughter married the King of England? Yes. That's this little baby queen. And babies. Don't need marriages. Babies don't need <laughs> ma- jobs. Babies don't need husbands. Babies, Tell your mom. Yeah, right. But anyway, so the seven-year-old came over, married the king. And obviously the seven-year-old's not going to go live with the king. So they put her in the care of Catherine Swinford. They're like, well, you've been governess for a billion jillion years. You've taken care of so many children. And I think that also gives us insight into her personality. She was a very nurturing person. And so it made sense. Like, she's very high-ranking, and she's very nurturing. Let the little baby queen go live with her. Oh, baby queen. <laughs> so Catherine took care of the new baby queen, yes. Isabella Valois. I really think she just loved taking care of children. She was meant to be a nanny. Yeah. You know. And a- modern day, modern day, maybe she would have been a teacher, like a kindergarten teacher or something uh, like that, you know? I see this journey for her. Yes. So this actually ruffled some feathers, and other duchesses in the country were just super-duper jealous yeah. that Catherine was given such a high honor. Hater's gonna hate, 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 hate. Oh, Taylor Swift coming in here. <laughs> I I didn't know that was going to make an appearance. It's catchy. Okay. So, sadly, their marital bliss didn't last that long. John died just three years later. He was buried next to his wife, Blanche Devereaux of Lancaster, (laughs) which I don't think Catherine minded. She loved Blanche, too, and had raised Blanche's children. So, this is just speculation, maybe just me. Uh, projecting, but I don't think she would have minded that he was married. Yeah, next right. To her. But that's not where. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> After John died, the King Richard II tried to take all of the Lancastrian lands mm-hmm. for himself. Yeah. Um, and now this. This wouldn't have left, like, Catherine out on her ass or anything. Yeah, she's got her other lands. She's yeah, got her husband's she, lands. She's fine, but. This is her home. This is where her kids live. What if she yeah. didn't want to leave? They didn't want to leave. They didn't want to ask for permission of to the king. Yeah. Like, so Catherine actually wrote to Richard and was like, hey, can I stay? Can I, can I stay? And the hey, king loved her. can I can stay? I stay? <laughs> and the king loved her. So he was like, yeah, you and your kids can stay. But John's kids from his first marriage, they got to get the fuck out. They can't stay here. Ouch. So that really pissed off Catherine's, like, stepsons, uh, or stepson, Henry Bolingbroke. Maybe you've heard of him, especially if you are a fan of the works of Shakespeare. And very long story short, Henry Bolingbroke, Catherine's stepson, was like, oh, Richard, you thought you were going to have a problem with those Beaufort cousins. Um, I don't think you're going to like me very much. I I don't think you're a good king. I think I've got better claim on the throne. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> very long story short, he overthrew him and was made king himself instead. So Catherine is now 
stepmother to the king. So she, she could go where the fuck she wanted. All four of her bro- Beaufort kids were powerful players in their half-brother's tenure as a king. Yes! And the new king loved Catherine, like, a lot. So, I mean, he pra- she practically raised him. Yeah, she raised them. Yeah. <laughs> so there was no more bad-mouthing her in public, or the king's gonna get you. The king's, king's gonna get you. <laughs> so... However, Catherine made an interesting decision. Yeah. The king's gonna get you. King's gonna get you. Uh, <laughs> after all, her kids were set with jobs. Like, they weren't babies. So that's yeah. perfectly so they, kosher. So, yeah, age appropriate jobs, age appropriate <laughs> marriages. She didn't want to live in London oh anymore. Like, she headed back to, back to Lincolnshire to her first husband's, like, homelands. But then she got there. And she didn't want to live in those houses either. So she ended up, like, she had remodeled her husband's houses up in Lincolnshire. But then she got there and was like, I don't, maybe I can rent these out. Maybe I can make some money for yeah, people living and that, here. That's what she ended up doing is, like, renting out houses near Lincolnshire. And she lived out the rest of her life there. Yeah, she rented this house, like, two or three miles from the lands that she owned. And while she lived there, she flipped those houses. So that was kind of like a late-in-life passion. She liked redecorating and remodeling houses. She which was a real estate agent. She would have loved Pinterest. Oh, my <laughs> God. She would have been a Pinterest influencer. <laughs> Catherine Swinford, Pinterest influencer. Oh, my God. But, I mean, she, like, wanted a place of, you know, her own. Yeah. I wonder if like living in London or living at her first husband's houses, it was just too too many memories. Yeah. But either way, she focused her time on remodeling these houses, flipping them, and she also spent a lot of time dedicating to volunteering for church. Yeah. she Like we said, she was pious. Um, There's a lot of records from the churches in Lincolnshire of her doing a lot of good with them. We love a good philanthropist. We do. House flipping philanthropist. Absolutely. (laughs) She lived a very, very quiet life in her last years. And I think that was on purpose because she could have been active in court if she wanted to be. She was a dowager duchess, but I think she was kind of over it. Yeah. She'd seen enough at court, you know, she'd seen enough scandal and intrigue like that. She's done. She just wanted to pray and flip houses. So go on, girl. I can't blame her. So Joan outlived her duke by only four years and died in 1403. So she was about 53 years old. By all accounts, died happy, living a very full life. Flipping houses. Flipping houses and working for Jesus. So So. let's talk about her legacy. Y'all, if you are interested in English history at all, you need to thank... Swinford, her daughter, daughter's daughter was Cecily, Duchess of York, a.k.a. the mom of Edward IV and Richard III. Maybe you've heard of him. So that is some uh, Wars of the Roses shit there. Yeah, and through her son, John Beaufort, we get Margaret Beaufort, yes. uh, mother of the first Tudor queen, Henry VII. You just said, the, you just called Henry VII the queen. Was that on purpose? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so she's some level of great grandmother to both Elizabeth of York and Henry the Seventh, the Queen. So that's kind of ick since they got married, but whatever. Yeah. Also, one of the John Beaufort's daughters married a King of Scotland. So now we got 
Catherine Swinford's descendants on the Scottish and English uh, the Rons. So basically, if you're into the history of Wars of the Roses, the Tudors, the Stuarts, any of them, you can look to Catherine Swinford for bringing all those people into existence. So let's raise a glass. Cheers, bitches. Cheers, bitches. All right, bye. Catch y'all next time. Bye. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.